trust you found your place tonight in the book of first john we're in the book of first john chapter 5 first john chapter 5 for the preaching of god's word and i'll be reading verse number three first john chapter 5 and verse number three the bible says for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege we've had to be here tonight. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that are so continuously extended towards us, even though we are so undeserving. And we thank you again for who you are. Thank you for the great salvation that you've afforded to us. And I pray tonight, as your word goes forth, that you would use it in a special way to speak to each and every heart. I pray that you would motivate and challenge we needed. I pray that you would continue to strengthen. Thank you once again for the privilege we have to be servants of you, and I pray that we would be not just hearers of your word, but doers as well. Take full control. Give me the words you love me to say. Cleanse me of sin and do me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. Prior to and even during competitive events, particularly in the area of sports, but not limited to, this can take place in other areas as well, there are times can tend to be what is called trash talking. Trash talking is engaged in when individuals use words and language to predict the outcome of one team being victorious over the other. This can happen among fans, it can happen among players, but all of this happens before the actual game is played or the actual competitive event. But one of the things about trash talking is that the team who loses is no longer allowed or in fact is forced to no longer trash talk because the outcome has provided evidence that the talking was not backed up. In other words, the evidence of winning is not present to support the trash talking. Hence, the loser must remain quiet. Evidence, my friend, is powerful. Evidence is convincing. Evidence is conclusive. And when it comes to living the Christian life, there ought to be evidence of the claims that are made that we are indeed born again by the Spirit of God. The Apostle John speaks of this distinctiveness in this entire epistle of 1 John and this, distingu this distinctiveness that distinguishes the believer. In other words, it, it gives others the evidence that this person uh, is indeed born again. Provides evidence of what took place. It is so distinctive that it provides what I call a Christian signature. 
Something that's so unique that it is identified by others to be distinctive. In chapter 5 of 1 John, the apostle, he provides under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, of course, some proofs, if you, if you will, of this supernatural process that took place. And we have been looking at the first one in these first few verses and have identified this as the evidence or the proof of conversion to the Savior. Thank God that transformation happens through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And we've seen, by way of quick review, that conversion takes place through a decision that is personal. You must make up your mind for yourself. No one else can make it up for you. But make no mistake, even though every believer must put his personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, that that faith triggers or precipitates, if you will, a divine process that's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I are transformed through the power of God. Amen? It's a divine process. It's spontaneous. It is supernatural. And we saw last week that this ought to result in us having a devotion that is past. It is based on love, and it's a beautiful link that if we, we love God, we're going to love the Son also. And we saw as well that it is definite proof. Verse number two says, by this we what? We know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. What an, an amazing proof. What a decisive and definitive proof. But tonight I want us to focus our attention on verse number three. Where when we look at this verse, we see emphasized that this conversion that takes place, this conversion that causes love to flow from our hearts for God and for other people and for, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, that this conversion that takes place on the inside, that manifests itself on the outside, my friend, it is a desirable practice. I want us to look at this verse again and look at what God is saying to us. He says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And look at the last part, which we'll get to in a while. His commandments are not grievous. My friend, living the Christian life is the best life that there is to live. It's a desirable practice. And we want to zoom in on this a little bit here tonight. And I want you to notice three things in this verse. First of all, notice this continual, enduring theme throughout the book of 1 John, and it shows up once again in this verse. It says, for this is the love of God. I want you to jot this down. Notice, this is the, the fuel that, that, that ignites everything that happens by way of our salvation, and my friend, it is the sovereign's passion. The sovereign's passion. The love of God. My friend, the love of God will always be the driving force behind the actions of God. The love of God. Don't underestimate it. 
Don't let it become ho-hum. Don't let it become words that just roll off our tongues. I recently got new glasses, as you can tell. To my chagrin, I didn't know I would having, be having to go back to them. But I got these glasses and I ordered them online. It's the first time I had engaged in such a practice, and I guess I had others who gave at least good account of having done so and done so successfully. So I took the plunge and ordered them online. And when I got the glasses, I took them out of the case and I put them on, and immediately I was disappointed. And you say, why were you disappointed, Pastor? Well, I was disappointed not because of how they looked when I looked in the mirror. As a matter of fact, I didn't even look in the mirror. I was disappointed because when I put them on, my vision was blurry. And I thought to myself, well, this online process seemed to have gone wrong. Somehow these people messed up my prescription, which I had uploaded online. Somehow they had gotten it wrong, and I, I wondered how this could have been the case. So I pondered as to how I would return them, how I would get my money back, how I would resolve this issue with the glasses. But I came back a few days later and tried on the glasses a second time, and then I realized that I had been looking through the wrong portion of the lens, forgetting that there were multifocal lens, which was for the first time, the first time I had ever had such lens. I was looking through the wrong part of the lens. My friends, sometimes in life, you know why we mistake the love of God? We are looking through the wrong portion of our lens. And we are misjudging God. We are coming to the wrong conclusion about him. We see wrong in this world. We see pain. We see hurt. We see suffering. And rather than looking through this, through the, through the, through the lens of the love of God, we somehow look through it in a different portion of our lens and come to the wrong conclusion. My friend, every action of God is motivated by his love for you and for me. And the problems in this life, they are linked to sin. Sin that precipitated God and motivated God to send his son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross so that we would not have the suffering of sin. The sovereign's passion, it never fades. It never wanes. Do you know that God's love cannot increase or decrease? God's love for you and love for me, it is perfect in every way. And so it's no accident that, that, that John begins this verse once again 
to make a statement but to help us to understand that what he's about to say it is based on the eternal foundation of the love of God. It's his passion. But notice the sovereign's passion leads to secondly a stated prescription. It says for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. God's word is a product of his love for mankind. God's word, the Bible, it is God's love letter to you and to me. It's a love letter where he not only expresses his love to us, but he tells us how we can experience his love to the fullest. But there are a number of problems as to why we don't experience his love to the fullest. There are a number of reasons as to why many don't even recognize his love to us. I'm going to line these very quickly. See this Bible, this love letter that we have so accessible to us? Thank God for that. Many don't read it. Even the average Christian spends very little time reading, studying, meditating on this love letter from Almighty God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here's another issue. Many doubt it's even from him. You hear many people that's become popular to question the authorship of the Bible. Well, listen to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 to 21 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. My friend, God is the author of the scriptures. Well, here's another issue. Many don't believe that it's addressed to them. Many don't believe that this Bible is relevant to their lives. But listen to what Romans chapter 10 and verse 6 to 8 says. For the righteousness which is of faith Speak it on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. That is to, or who is, shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. My friend, this word is a relevant word that God wants to reach every single person. It is addressed to you. It is addressed to me. But another problem is that many don't even believe what this Bible says. 
But listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 138 and verse 2. And anytime you're tempted to dishonor the word of God, anytime you're tempted to disrespect the preaching of the word of God, listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 138 and verse number 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Did we hear that? God says, I exalt my word above my very name. So do you know what that says? If we're going to believe that God exists, we must believe his word. That's how critical his word is. That's how critical the, the stated prescription is. Well, here's a, another problem. Even for those who claim that they believe his word, that many simply don't do what he said. Familiar passage in the book of James, chapter 1 says, But be ye doers, verse number 22, of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving on your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, listen to this, this man shall be blessed in his deed. My friend, it is important to not only to believe the word, but to practice the word. God is saying to us, because of my love, because of my passion, I've proceeded to give man a stated prescription, a formula, if you will, a blueprint, a manual for life. And this stated prescription, notice, is all because, finally, God wants to see his saints prosper. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to thrive. Look at the latter part of verse number three. I love this part in this verse. And his commandments are not grievous. John is saying, because of the love of God, God in his wisdom reached out to man has given him a beautiful love letter to express his passion and to give us some guidance and some instructions as to how we can live the best life ever. And he's saying to us that these commandments, these directives, these instructions are not burdensome. They're not oppressive. He's not saying that they are always easy. 
But he's saying that if you follow me, listen, you will not regret it. Jesus extends this invitation during his earthly ministry in Matthew's Gospel chapter 11 and verse 28 to 30 where he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find, once again he says it, rest unto your souls. Now, oftentimes we, we, we even as Christians sometimes turn this thing around. Jesus is saying, for those of you who are without me, I can see you, you are burdened down. You are struggling. You are being oppressed. You are in shackles. And he says it in this verse in such a way that the individuals being burdened and being oppressed know it. Because he says, come unto me, all ye that are laden and heavy, burdened and heavy laden. He says, I can see that you're struggling. You know that you're struggling. So come unto me and I will give you rest. But how do we flip this thing on its head nowadays? Man, come and live the Christian life. And as soon as you come in, man, you were free as a bird. You were living it up. I mean, you were enjoying life to the fullest. And now you become a Christian. Let's put on the burdens. The oppression. That's not what Jesus said. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15? Good understanding giveth favor. But the way of transgressors is hard. Listen, for those of you who grew up in Christian homes and you're growing up in Christian homes, listen, you're looking out there and everything looked like, like, like peaches and cream. And, and listen, it is a lie from the pits of hell. And by time you find out it is too late. The shackles are firmly on and it's trouble getting them off. I want you to turn to James chapter 4 in closing tonight. And I want you to, I want us to leave with this thought because I think for those who name the name of Christ, we somehow minimize and diminish the significance of the privileges that we have. James chapter 4 and verse number 6. In the verses prior in chapter 4, it talks about the spiritual warring that takes place with the flesh. 
and the war that exists between right and wrong. Then in verse number six, it, it transitions, it switches, it pivots. It says, but he, speaking of God, giveth more grace. My friend, that's the push of God. That's the help of God. That's the favor of God. Wherefore, he saith, God resisted the proud. Listen, when God is resisting you, you got some problems. But he giveth grace unto the humble. My friend, there is nothing like having the push of God, the favor of God upon your life. Then using this motivating factor, he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. He's saying, listen, get yourself in a position where you ensure that you have the hand of God upon your life. Because when you do, look at verse number 10. Humble, humble rather, yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up. And this is the thing that I want to leave with you. My friend, when God lifts you up, you are lifted up. And when God lifts you up, listen, nobody can touch you. Nobody can reach you. Listen, the favor of God, you ought to crave it. You ought to desire it. You ought to treasure it. You ought to protect it upon your life. When we understand the privileged position in which we are, when we have God's favor, listen, we're not going to walk around like the Christian life is all down in the dumps. Because here's what happens when you have God's favor. You get excited about seeing the supernatural take place in your life. Listen, when you get to see normal, it's like no big deal. But when you see supernatural, my friend, it gives you a pep in your step. This ain't normal stuff. This is supernatural stuff that God has seen it fit to let it happen to me. You're going to leave supernatural for natural? Who does that? Listen, when you're living this Christian life, listen, a lot of people are going to heaven. God saves us by his grace. Were it not for grace, where would we be? It's not based on our good works. So a lot of people who are living a life that, that, that's, that, that's not uh, where God would have them to be in his will, listen, they're going to heaven, not because of them, but because of God. But here's what's happening as a result of that. People are on their way to heaven, and God desires for them to be in first class, and they're back in coach, all comfortable, all being cooped up. Listen, get God's favor on your life, and be be don't be coach, be in first class. 
and they come in you ask me would you like some more drinks I'm talking of the non-alcoholic kind right? <laughs> are you comfortable would you like to lean back some more listen live your Christian life with God's favor upon you and you will thank God for the day you got saved and thank God that you are saved and on your way to heaven. John says, listen, his commandments are not grievous. Listen, when the devil gets a hold of you, listen, he seeks to suck the very life out of you. And he's not going to give it back. He seeks to kill and to destroy Jesus says, I am come that ye may have life and have it more abundantly. Listen, get excited about your salvation. And that's what John says. All of that happens to us because of the love of God.